Thank you for listening to Changed by His Word, a podcast of Pine Level Missionary Baptist Church featuring the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Brad Lee. We invite you to join us each Sunday at 11 a.m. for worship. For more information, visit us online at pinelevelmbc.org. And now for today's message. Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 21, the Bible says, When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up, and on seeing him fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And he went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for twelve years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. Verse 33, But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Chapter 5, verses 21 through 43, deals with two different stories. Now these stories are sandwiched together, and I love what Tony Marita says concerning this. And I quote, Mark uses a sandwich technique in order, uh, in order to invite a comparison of these two stories. He intends to invite a comparison between the two. The bread involves a story about a man's dying daughter. It appears at the beginning and then at the end. In between, we find the story about a woman with a chronic disease, end of quote. Now, it's interesting how Mark handles these two stories. So the bread being on the top and the bread being on the bottom, uh, the sandwich actually deals with the story of Jairus and his daughter, who is sick, but she's also about to die. The middle part of the sandwich, the in-between, deals with a woman that is extremely sick. I mean, she's chronically ill. Now, everyone listening today, whether you're here or whether you're online, you can relate to both of these stories. And here's why. Because both stories deal with sickness. One of them deals with death. And we know that there's much sickness and much death that's taking place these days. We know that there's sickness right here in our community. There are other brothers and sisters in Christ that have been facing sickness with this coronavirus. It's not just affected uh, our local communities and the state house. It's made its all way all the way to the White House. And we know that our president and his wife now are suffering from this chronic awful disease and we want to pray for them and lift them up and we want to continue to pray for everybody even those in our community that are facing this sickness as well but everyone listening can relate to these stories so this morning what I want to do for the next few moments is I want us to focus 
on the middle part, the in-between of this sandwich. Now keep in mind the context as to what we've been studying. Jesus and his disciples are in the Decapolis. They're on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus completed the mission that he was sent there for. Remember, he cast the demon out of a man named Legion. It was a legion of demons that possessed this man, some 6,000 demons. And we know that Jesus saved this man's life. His life was radically changed. And not only does he change life, he changed lives, he saved souls as well. Praise God, amen. I'm glad he does that. He did that back then, and he's doing that even today. And now this man that was once demon-possessed, realizes the purpose for which he's been created. And what Jesus does is he sends this guy on mission. He sends him back to his hometown to proclaim the gospel. Then Jesus and the disciples get back in the boat. They head back across the Sea of Galilee, some eight miles or so, and they make their way uh, onto the shore again. Some believe that they're back in Capernaum. And as soon as Jesus' feet hit the ground, listen to this, the multitudes gather once again. Now, over in the Decapolis, it's the disciples and Jesus and the people of that region. But when they get back over into uh, Capernaum, there's a multitude that gathers, large, massive crowds. And look at what the Bible says in verse 22. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up, and on seeing him, notice what he did. He fell at the feet of Jesus. Hey, I can't think of a better thing to do than that, than that amen. If you are one that writes in your Bibles or underlines your Bibles, I'd do that. I would encourage you to underline that, that he fell at the feet of Jesus. And pay close attention because when you look at the story of the man named Legion, what did he do? He fell at the feet of Jesus. We'll see at the end of this story that this woman falls at the feet of Jesus. Next Sunday, Lord willing, we're going to see another person that falls at the feet of Jesus. And here in verse 23, the Bible goes on to say, And, impl and he implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. This man recognized that there was power in Jesus. Imagine all the noise, all the commotion, all the chaos that was taking place in this scene. Yet Mark, what he does is he zeroes in on this one synagogue official that's facing a de desperate situation. I can't think of a more desperate situation than that. You've got one of your children that's literally dying. I mean, you would do anything, right? So anybody in their right mind would do anything they could to help. She's so sick, she's about to die. And not only did, Mark, uh, did this grab Mark's attention, most importantly, it caught Jesus' attention as well. And Jesus, what he begins to do is he begins to walk alongside this man, and, and they're headed towards this man's daughter, with the massive crowd surrounding them. Now, hold that thought. We'll come back and, and pick up on that next Sunday. But what I want to do for the next few moments is focus on verses 25 through 34. I've entitled my message today, Lord Over Sickness. And I want to share four brief truths with you. Here's the first, if you're taking notes. Notice first, this woman was aware of her sickness. She was aware of her sickness. She had a hemorrhage. A hemorrhage is defined as heavy or uncontrolled bleeding. Now, Mark doesn't mention any of the specific details other than that concerning this woman's issue. But one writer explains it this way. It was a discharge of blood. It may have been associated with the birthing process. It may have been due to uh, menstruation or, or having uh, some type of continual bleeding, any type of continual bleeding. But whatever it was... This woman, listen to me, 
she was more than aware of her sickness. She suffered from this, not for a, a month or two months, but for 12 years, she was gravely ill. And it affected her entire life in a number of different ways. First of all, the hemorrhage, according to the Old Testament law, rendered her unclean. She wasn't able to go out and communicate with people, to hang out with people. And uh, whenever she did reach the point, if she ever reached the point that she became clean, there was a detailed process that she had to follow in order to obey and fulfill the law. So if that wasn't enough, she was also considered a social outcast. I mean, she was isolated. She was unable to interact with people. I mean, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? I mean, we're living in a day and age where we've been practicing isolation. We've been social distancing because of this pandemic that we're in. And yes, we want to do our part by wearing a mask to help protect others. We want to wash our hands. We want to maintain social distance. And here's my prayer, that this is just for a season. Amen? That it's just for a season. Hey, but we can do this. Why? Because we've got the Lord on our side. We've got the Lord who is helping us. And this lady, think about if you had to do this for 12 years. That's the situation she was in. So don't tell me God's word's not relevant for today. It's more relevant than even the headlines on today's newspaper. I mean, what we're looking at today is very similar to what you and I are dealing with. So this woman was more than aware, aware of her issue. And what I've come to learn is this. The reality is that you and I were not created to do the things that we are doing today. Now we're doing them for a reason. But we weren't created to wear masks continually. We weren't created to be isolated. We were created to be around people. Amen. I mean people need people. We need to love one another. We need to encourage one another. And as bad as I want to go up and hug some of you and high-five you and, and shake you, I'm just going to hit pause for a minute, okay? Because the time will come when we can once again do that. We need one another. You've heard me say this before. There's no such thing as a solo Christian. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. People need people, believers need believers. And this woman, although she was not yet a believer, she recognized that she needed something she didn't have. I'm thankful today that we can come in here and worship, amen? I mean, the mask that we have to wear is minute compared to the fact that we can gather as the family of God. Deep down, this woman craved something she couldn't have. She was aware of her sickness. And perhaps today, you can relate to this woman. You say, well, I'm not facing the same issue that she was facing. But I recognize that, that, that I've got some sickness as well. It may be something as, as related to high blood pressure or high cholesterol. Or it may be diabetes or heart disease. It may even be the coronavirus. But whatever it may be, most of us, if not all of us, can relate to that. Now, I know there's someone in the crowd, maybe not here, but online that's watching, and they'll say, oh, pastor, I'm good. Everything's good in my life. I'm healthy. Nothing's wrong with me. You know what I'd say to them? You hold on just a minute, okay? Because we know that it rains on the just and the unjust. We know that sickness is a part of life. We recognize that. And the thing I want us to see here most importantly as we look at this woman's sickness 
is I want us to think for a moment about the sickness that we all suffer from. What is that sickness? It's a sin disease that we've all inherited. Now, we don't like to talk about that. We don't like to think about that. We like to think that God created everybody good, good, healthy people over here. But no, it's not just good, healthy people over here and bad people that are sick over here. No, all of humanity is bad. That's why the Bible says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's you and that's me. So we've got to come to grips. We've got to square our face, our shoulders back and, and face sin head on and recognize that we've fallen short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. I believe this woman recognized that and we'll see this towards the end of the story. So when we go back to the very beginning, to the book of Genesis, we understand that God created a perfect world, a perfect earth. He created two perfect people, Adam and Eve. He gave them a choice. You can do anything you want to in this garden with the exception of one thing. Don't eat of the tree. And you know what they did? The same thing you and I would have done. Somebody tells you don't, that you're not to do something, that's exactly what you want to go do. And they went over there and ate, and as a result of their disobedience, you and I have inherited this sinful, fallen nature. And like this woman... Adam and Eve, they suffered from this, this same sin disease. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So this woman recognized her sickness. Likewise, we've got to do the same. We've got to recognize the condition that we are in apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I was thinking about this, a thought came to mind. God's blessed us here in the United States. He's given us good medical facilities, good doctors, good uh, insurance and that type of stuff. And I don't know why in the world people who have a sickness say, well, I'm not going to go to the doctor. Hey, if I get sick, guess where I'm going? I'm going to the doctor, amen? Because I want the doctor to be able to provide me with some help and some assistance and some medication or some therapy or whatever it may be that's going to help me to get well. Don't think for a moment that you're not to utilize the doctors God's given you. Why in the world would you not do that if... If this woman had the same medical care that we had today, she would have been doing that. As a matter of fact, we'll see what she did in just a moment. But she wanted someone or something that could help her with her situation. So here's what I want you to note first. That like this woman, you must come to grips with your sickness. Notice secondly though, she was searching for a cure. Hey, whether people will recognize it today or not, everybody's looking for a cure. Don't tell me right now that folks aren't looking for a cure for this coronavirus. They're doing everything they can, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, to try to develop a vaccine or a cure, something that will stop this. And this woman was looking for and searching for a cure. Look at what verse 26 says. Verse 26, the Bible says that she had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all but rather had grown worse. Now, here's the thing I want you to see. She didn't have internet back then. That's a good place for you to say amen or praise God. Because had she have had internet, you know what she would have been done? She'd have been on Google typing in all of her symptoms. Bleeding, hemorrhage. Typing in all of her symptoms. She'd have been looking at WebMD and all of the, the 1,000 different articles from 1,000 different people's 
who have a thousand different opinions. She would have been doing a self-diagnosis. She would have sought out the best treatment. She would have sought out the best kind of medication or herbs or whatever it may have been that would have brought healing to her body. The Bible says she tried everything that might possibly make her well. She had endured much at the hands of many physicians. And she had gone from doctor to doctor. Some of you have done this. Whatever sickness you've been facing, you've gone from one doctor to the next doctor to this specialist to this specialist to no avail. And this woman had done likewise. She was searching for a cure. Now make note of this. Write this verse down. Luke chapter 8 verse 43. This comes from Luke's gospel. And when we think about this, we know that Luke wrote the gospel of Luke. But what was his occupation? He was a doctor. He was a physician. Listen to what Luke said of this woman. He says that she could not be healed by anyone. He was a medical professional. Nobody could heal her. She had exhausted all avenues. She was simply a lost cause. Not only was she broke uh, physically, she was broken spiritually, and now she was broken financially. She had no money. Because every one of those doctors she went to, you know what she had to do? She had to whip her purse out and give them some money. And she had gone back to her house in isolation with no money. And not only was she broke, she was worse than she was before she started going to all the doctors. She was searching for a cure. I mean, it was a terrible situation. And to add to that, it had only gotten worse. Think about the, the fear, the anxiety, and the struggle she was facing. Some of us can relate to this with what we've dealt with the last few months. But she was worried. She was stressed that it was a dire situation. And what she needed is someone who could intervene. So she was aware of her sickness. Likewise, we've got to come to grips with ours. She was searching for a cure. And whether you acknowledge it or not, we are all searching for a cure. But praise God. Praise God this woman didn't just throw her hands up in the air and say, I'm giving up. I mean, there's nothing else I can do. She heard about a man by the name of Jesus. And praise God for that. Notice thirdly, she heard about and she responded to Jesus. We find this in verses 27 through 32. I love verse 27. Look at what the Bible says here. After hearing about Jesus. What a lovely name. The name of Jesus. She heard about Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Not just the preacher. All believers are to be preachers to proclaim the gospel. How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good tidings. We've got the good news right here. And we've been challenged and commanded to share this good news. So Jesus was about to do something miraculous here. I want you to think about this for a moment. I want you to think about the people that God has placed in your life to tell you about Jesus. I never will forget. I was about 8, 9, 10 years old or so, maybe 11 or 12 at my mom and dad's house one day, and somebody came up to the door. Who in the world is that? Two dear saints. 
Miss Marie Thorne and Miss Charlotte Jones. Th those names are like ingrained right here and right here. They came to the house. You know what they came for? They came because they said, we just want to t talk to Brad about Jesus. And they told me about Jesus. And you know what? At the time, Jesus was the farthest thing on my mind. I was all about me, my sports, fishing, all the things I wanted to do. But these two ladies were faithful in telling me about Jesus. Think about the people God's placed in your life that had just told you about Jesus. And think about where you would be today if God didn't place those people in your life to tell you the good news of the glorious gospel. Miss Charlotte Jones, over the years, I guarantee you she's in church worshiping this morning, pandemic or no pandemic. You're talking about a praying saint? That's Miss Charlotte. And I can't tell you how much she's prayed for me and my family over the years, and I'm grateful for her. But someone once said, it takes a person hearing the gospel seven times before they'll respond to Jesus. And that may have been the first or the second time I heard. But it was many years later before I came to know Jesus in a real and personal way. But you rest assured, I won't forget about those two ladies because they were faithful in telling me the good news of the gospel. Perhaps this lady in the story before us had heard about the power that Jesus had over nature. Now, don't miss this. This is why it's important to study through books of the Bible, to study the Bible in context. I want you to follow me here for a moment. Jesus has power over, the na over nature. What were they doing? They were in the boat going from one side of the sea to the other. Je Jesus said to the winds and the waves, Hush and be still. He's got power over, the na over nature. He landed on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He encountered the demoniac. What did he do? He cast the legion of demons out of the demoniac. Jesus has power over the demonic. Amen? Look at the story before us. He's Lord over sickness. And we'll look next week. He's Lord over death. Yes, we could read these texts individually, but when we read them together collectively, we're able to see how Jesus has authority and power over all of it. Amen? And that's the good news this morning. So Mark says that she came up to the crowd behind him. She touched his cloak, for she thought, in her mind and in her heart, if I can just touch his garments, just touching his garments, then I can be made well. What if we thought along those same lines? What if we had that same mindset? I mean, there are many people today who have heard about Jesus, but they've yet to respond like this woman. The gospel demands a response. You can't be indecisive. There's no middle ground. You've got to decide what you're going to do with Jesus. You can't keep one foot in the world and one foot in the world. You've got to determine what you're going to do with Jesus. These other folks did. This woman determined the same thing as well. What will you do with Jesus? That's the most important question. She not only heard about him... She responded by touching his cloak. And we come back to another word that I mentioned at the very beginning of this series, the word immediately. In the Greek, the word euthus, which means immediately, instantly. It's used some 40 times in Mark's gospel. Jesus responds immediately. I mean, think about it. In a split second, that confusion and chaos on the sea was calmed immediately. The demons were cast out of that man legion in a split second, immediately. This woman, immediately, Jesus didn't even touch her. 
She touched him. He didn't speak a word. And she's healed and cured of her sickness. Growing up, I loved southern gospel music. And as I was reading and studying this, it made me think about an old cathedral song. The cathedral quartet. They sang a song that goes like this. Somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. I was blind, but praise his name, I now can see. I was in darkness when Jesus found me, but since he touched me, I now am free. And that woman could sing that in her heart. She touched him, but it was the master's touch that changed her life forever. She was healed of this dreaded disease. Now, I know that you've witnessed the miracle of God as well. I've talked to folks before who have said to me, if I could just see one miracle, one, God, one miracle, I would believe in God. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't believe in God if you could see one miracle. I mean, if a lady was right here and Jesus walked in and healed this lady of the sickness, you wouldn't believe. I mean, there were multitudes there that walked away and said, we're not going to believe. He left the other side of the sea, the Decapolis, because people said, we don't want any of what you got over here. You need to go back over there. So people won't necessarily believe because they see a miracle performed. But you've witnessed a miracle and so have I firsthand. I mean, we went for 10 years and were told that we couldn't have any more children. Thinking we couldn't have any more children and God intervened. God blessed us. He performed a miracle. And don't tell me for a moment that childbirth is not a miracle. That's a miracle. You hold a little baby in your hands that's, that's crying and you just, I mean, you just melt, right? You recognize that God is the one who gives life. He performs miracles. So what are we to do when we see God perform a miracle? We're to stop and rejoice and give Him honor and praise and glory. Amen? And recognize that He is where the blessings come from. Praise God, whom all blessings flow. Amen? So she heard about Jesus, and she responded to Jesus. And today you're hearing the gospel and you've got to respond to Jesus. Notice fourth and finally this morning. She surrendered her life to Jesus. I love this part. We find this in verses 33 through 35. Now when Jesus looked at her, he noticed that this was a woman that was in fear and trembling. I want you to think about this. Why was she fearful and why was she trembling? Well, there's a number of speculations as to why that may have been the case. Number one... As I mentioned earlier, she was unclean. Jesus being a Jew, Jews were to refrain from people that were unclean. And by her touching Jesus, that would make him or render him ceremonially unclean. So maybe she was fearing and trembling that she had made Jesus unclean. Maybe she was worried about the fact that her disease may return. How many times have we gone to the doctor? You've gone to the doctor and you've gotten a cure or medication for your sickness and, and you've thought, well, what if this comes back? What if I have this pain again? What if I have these symptoms again? Maybe she was in fear and trembling because that was the case. But Mark tells us in verse 29 that she felt in her body that she had been healed of her affliction. And then in verse 33 he says that she was aware of what had happened to her. So simply put... She knew without any shadow of a doubt that Jesus had healed her. That he had cured her of this disease. Now not only did she respond to Jesus, here she surrenders her life to him because we see that she falls down at his feet. 
You've heard me mention the story of Mary and Martha before. Martha fell at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus said, "You." I'm sorry, Mary fell at the feet of Jesus. Martha was distracted and working, and Jesus said to Mary, you've chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from you. So not only did she respond to Jesus, she fell at his, at his feet, and the Bible says that she told him the whole truth. Now I want you to imagine for a moment what that conversation may have been like. Her seated at the feet of Jesus, looking at Jesus and telling him what had happened. I've been struggling for 12 years. I mean, it's been awful. I've been in isolation. I've been to doctor after doctor, specialist after specialist. Nobody can help me. Nobody can cure me of my disease. I'm in isolation, and it's, it's a desperate situation. Maybe she told Jesus about how the condition had grown worse, and she told him how she had heard about him and, and how she felt like he was the cure. And, and she told him all of this stuff, and she believed that he could make her well. You say, well, what if, what if she didn't tell Jesus the whole truth? What if she didn't tell Jesus everything? He already knew it, amen. Your life, listen to me, your life is an open book before the Lord. Don't think for a moment that God doesn't know where you are and what you're doing. I used to think if I, well, if I go in a dark room or out back behind the barn, for us that are fellows, we know we can go out behind the barn, the dark, right? What are you doing back there? You're up to no good, right? The Lord knows what you're doing back there. There's not a place you can go on planet Earth that he doesn't know where you are and what you're doing. And he knew where this woman was. He knew her name. He knew what she was suffering from. He knew what she was doing. So had she not told him the whole truth, he would have still known. But the Bible says she told him the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. And I love how Jesus responds to this woman. Don't miss this. Look at verse 34. He says to her, Notice right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name. In other words, those who repent of their sins and trust Jesus, those are the ones who are children of God. Those are the ones who are part of the family of God. The son or the daughter, the family of God members, are those who have surrendered their lives to Jesus. And we see this happen in this woman's life. Don't miss this. It'd be easy to read this story and, and say and think that Jesus, uh, this woman touched Jesus and, and she was made well. And if I could only touch Jesus, he would make me well too. It wasn't her touch that made her well. It wasn't her touch. I mean, look at what the Bible says. Look at what the Bible says here in verse 34. And he said to her, daughter, your touch has made you well. No, pastor. Doesn't say that. It says that your faith has made you well. It was her faith in an object, and the object is the Lord Jesus Christ. She personally put her faith in a person, and his name is Jesus. Dr. Danny Aiken says that she experienced salvation both physically and spiritually. One writer explained it this way, and listen carefully to this, and I quote, the woman's faith in Jesus had not only resulted in her physical healing, but also brought her into his spiritual family. Her faith was the means whereby she obtained Jesus' help. It expressed belief that Jesus could heal her and hoped that he would. 
So yes, she physically touched Jesus. However, it wasn't her touch, it was her faith that made her well. Now in closing, listen carefully to me. You may ask me this morning, Pastor, if I touch Jesus, or even if I surrender my life to Jesus, and I'm physically sick, will Jesus make me physically well? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that. It may be God's will for you to get well, physically. I don't know. I don't know what God's plan is for you in this life. I can tell you this. This life is short. It's like a vapor. It's here one minute and it's gone the next. And it's like a speck of sand on the ocean's beaches compared to eternity. This is what I can tell you today on the authority of God's word. That it's God's desire that none perish but that all come to repentance. I can tell you on the authority of God's word this morning that he desires for everyone to be healed spiritually. Amen? And your spiritual healing is more important than your physical healing. Just as sure as you've been born physically, you're going to die physically. But you'll live eternally forever. And where you spend eternity is determined by what you do with Jesus. Now, I mentioned earlier Romans 6.23 at the beginning of my message that says the wages of sin is death. But listen to me. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's good news. We've, we've known this verse and memorized it from the time we were children. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And then we have in Romans 10, 9, that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Listen to me. This woman was aware of her sickness. She came to grips with it. And you and I must do likewise. She was searching for a cure. People are searching for hope today. They're searching for a cure. And we know what that cure is. She heard about and she responded to Jesus. You've got to respond to Jesus personally, individually. And then fourth and finally, she surrendered her life to Jesus. And likewise, you and I must do the same. Praise God for the hope we have in Jesus. Amen. Praise God that He heals us spiritually. You've been listening to Changed by His Word, the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Brad Lee. We hope that you have been encouraged and challenged by this message. If you have any questions about the message or about your relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact Pastor Brad at changedbyhisword at gmail.com. Thank you and God bless.